Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. For most viewers, it's simply a disappointment when their favorite TV series is canceled. But fans of some series take the loss a lot harder. They fight back. In the documentary film United We Fan, it chronicles the stories of those passionate individuals and their unique crusades to save their beloved shows. And these include such shows as legendary shows, really, include such shows as Star Trek, uh, Cagney and Lacey, Person of Interest. The list goes on and on, and there's no, there's no shortage of people who really feel a connection to these shows. And when news comes out that they might be canceled or have been canceled, you get the very strong reaction, and that is what this very entertaining documentary is about. And we're joined today by the director of United We Fan, and that would be Michael Sparaga. Michael, welcome to uh, Film School. Thank you very much for having me. I love the way you read that out. The movie sounds like, I want to see that film. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I would encourage you to see that film, definitely. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, <laughs> again, it's, it's really an entertaining um, documentary because... For a lot of reasons, I, I think a lot of us have have seen some of the best shows we've ever enjoyed go off the air, and most people just feel yeah. a loss. Uh, and yeah. but not the case with these people that you showcase, and they're they're interesting people. They're uh, informed. They're they're easy to relate to. Tell me a little bit of how you decided to move forward with the documentary. Did you meet one of these people or some of these people? How did how did this uh, documentary come about? Well, when I was uh, younger, when I was thirteen, I wrote a letter to save a, a TV show, and I it was a show that none of my other friends watched. I thought I was uh, well. First of all, they probably weren't allowed to watch. It was like the most violent show at, on television at the time, and somehow I was able to sneak it into. Uh, my TV viewing. It was a show called Crime Story that had Dennis Farina in it, and it was like a serialized uh, detective and mobster show um, that was just wonderful, just a wonderful show. And uh, so I wrote a letter uh, when my local paper uh, let me know that the show might not come back for a second season, and the first season ended with this massive, massive cliffhanger. <laughs> and I just always remembered that feeling of seeing the paper that it was coming back and thinking that I was part of it and realizing that must have meant I was part of a community, you know, because television is, is very different than going to the movies. You think, I mean, for the most part, you do it alone. And it can be very isolating. Um, and so I made me think, like, wow, not only did the person who wrote for the newspaper clearly like the show enough to, to mention it was, might not come back and to tell people to write letters and give us the address, but then... People obviously did, which must mean there's people all over. And so it was just that, that feeling that I was part of something, and something democratic, far before I could even vote. I mean, it was about five years before I could actually cast a vote. So it felt great, and I always kept my eyes on stories like that. I always, and it was, they're easy to see. I mean, if you follow entertainment, they, they pop up all the time. And you'd be like, oh, wow, people save this show, and oh, wow, this one too. And then they started to get like really interesting. I mean, obviously... When I was a kid, it was all letters. It was like snail mail. Uh, but then the Internet really just made things go kind of crazy. And sh people were able to just get together in far greater numbers and far faster, far, far faster. Right. The, and so we just saw a lot of campaigns. And it was, I think, the Chuck campaign, the, the campaign that featured in the film as well, 
where the, everyone went to Subway Subs on the day of its finale to buy, uh, you know, a foot-long sandwich. Right. And I saw that was covered on CNN, and I was just really amazed by it. I was just really amazed, and I thought, okay. And I just started to research it, and it, it made me realize how many shows have been saved and how many different ways shows have been saved. And then as years went on, just more and more shows were saved. And just wrapping up a documentary about New York restaurants a few years ago, someone asked what I want to do next, and I had all this research, and I said, I want to do this movie about Fancy Fight because it's a wonderful story about community and people fighting for something they love, and I think it's a good time for that. Well, these very relatable people doing it, and I guess in in watching the film, and I'm so glad that you were able to include it, get a hold of the people who were really sort of the first fan-based crusade to save a show that I remember was Star Trek. And yeah. and I love yeah. without giving a whole lot away about the film, you open with people uh, walking through. You're walking through a, a Star Trek or a, a, a Comic Con convention, asking people mm. if they know about the Trimbles, and they all assume you're talking about yeah. the Tribbles, which was I thought was very funny and probably very understandable <laughs> re- reaction, right? You don't really, but then there were yeah. a few people who know, and so I I mean. For all of us, for all of us who care about shows who who were going off the air and didn't because of the because of the actions of those people who who felt so strongly about it, we owe it to the Trembles in some way. Unless if there is one that predates that, I don't know about it. But that is really kind of the the uh, the the Rosetta Stone of of people who have saved shows, <laughs> and and they couldn't have been nicer sure. people. So I, well, go ahead, tell me about you know how you got to know them and. Uh, they seem like just genuinely wonderful people. They really are. They're just incredible. That I mean, I think everyone else in the movie, they they were a big part of a campaign or several campaigns, but they're not necessarily famous for having done that. They're certainly very well known to the cast and crew of those shows, right. who are very thankful for their jobs and the opportunity to continue to tell stories um, and play these characters, and so. Absolutely, they're famous within that group. But the Trimbles are famous, famous. They're, they're <laughs> like when they do a 50th anniversary Star Trek convention and there's all the guests. They're the guests when they premiere Star Trek Discovery. Here, 51 years later in L.A., they bring the Trimbles out the same way as they you know, roll out Will Shatner to walk the red carpet. They, he, you know, Bill Shatner owes a lot to the Trimbles, the fact that he's a, a name that people know, you know, and really Star Trek was saved by fans and that third season, that vital third season is what got into syndication. And I think that was a real surprise to me, really researching it. It's like, wow, a lot of shows from the 60s had one or two seasons and disappeared, didn't get syndication, we never heard from them again. And maybe people would have remembered Star Trek if it was on for a couple of years, but without syndication where it really became famous, I just don't think it's the Star Trek we know. And it's incredible that they still tour the world as the couple that say Star Trek. I mean, that's what they're known as. And they were very big already within the sci-fi community before Star Trek and meeting Gene uh, just before the premiere and being a part of bringing Star Trek to uh, fans and uh, creating conferences and all of those wonderful things. But really they're, their fame is that they they spearheaded an incredible, unprecedented letter writing campaign. There were 
other shows previously, but nothing like this. And usually there wasn't necessarily fans uh, organized the way these fans were organized, almost like grassroots political democracy. And I think it helped. It was like the late 60s. And that's what the world was really doing. You know, there was just lots of grassroots democracy going around. Previously, it had just been, you know, letters here and there from, from people trying to save show. But Star Trek was really, we call the granddaddy campaign of them all. Oh, it is. And, and let's step back for a second and just kind of understand just the economic scale of what the Trembles were able yeah. to bring upon um, the our culture, our 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 uh, entertainment culture, our well, and it's permeated in so many other parts of our culture. Had they not, yeah, right? Yeah. The the fourth season, the syndicated thing is kind of a a nice part. I mean, it's sort of an interesting part of it. But we have Star Trek movies, we have Star Trek merchandise, we have Star Trek spinoffs. We have yeah. how many versions of Star Trek have there been? We're talking. And I don't think this is an exaggeration. We're talking about billions of dollars in in terms of the economics yeah. of Star Trek. Had they not taken it upon themselves for the love of it, they did it for the love of it. So it's really a fascinating. I mean, just that one example alone, my God, uh, is amazing. My God, really, truly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, they loved it, but like all the fans in this film, they really. It touched them deeper than other shows they were watching. It wasn't the only show they watched. It was one of the many shows they watched. But this show, in 1967, was showing them a world that survived. This time that was very tumultuous, that the Russians were invading at any second or a bomb was going to drop from the sky, and here's a vision of a future where Russians and Americans are on the bridge together. Right, you know? right, and right. they're on peace missions around. They needed that show. And that's that's what you see from these fans. They need these shows. They need these shows to stay because they identify with them on a very deep level. And the Trimbles are, yeah, absolutely responsible. So funny, I always say, it's like, Star Trek was a throwaway show after two years. They didn't think that the people who watch it were worth anything as consumers. And when CBS needs to launch a competitive streaming network to, to Netflix, then they have to say to themselves, okay, brainstorm session. We need a bunch of people to sign up at once or there's just no way this is going to fly. What should we do? Star Trek Discovery. Those those guys, those girls, they will they will sign up as soon as we tell them we're bringing a Star Trek show back. Yeah. And now you're seeing three other Star Trek shows. You're seeing the Picard show will go there. The the, the, the Rick and Morty people are doing Star Trek Below Deck. There's a spinoff uh, show from Discovery as well. I mean, they're just devout fan bases in a world that we have now of streaming services where they need people to sign up on mass. Yeah. to legitimize the expenses of creating a streaming service. You're, that's why I think we've seen just an incredible increase, specifically this year, in the amount of shows that are coming back revivals and reboots, because you need people to watch television, and there's like, look, a million people right there. Let's sign them up. Yeah. And by, and by the way, ironically, and this is one of the thing, my favorite things about Star Trek. I watched Star Trek. I was um, I remember liking Star Trek. I wasn't on that level that obviously so many other people are when it comes to the show. But there's a lot of intriguing things about Star, Star Trek. And one of them, one of the more in, intriguing things is there's no money in the future. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean, no you, you want to talk about you know one of the most divisive things in society. I mean, again, you're, you alluded to it, this sort of u utopian future, not an, imp 
and not an impractical or unbelievable future, just one in which we had finally managed to sort of sort out things like hunger, uh, the, obviously the, the, the confederation of, uh, that, uh, they, they, that they, uh, the missions were from, were obviously a peacekeeping yep. expedition. They weren't, uh, they weren't warriors. They, the, there was multicultural at a time when that was very, very unusual. So it's easy to understand why shows like that are, would resonate with people who think of the future as in, in hopeful ways, who like that. It, putting aside all the whiz-bang stuff of, you know, uh, Captain Kirk, you know, and his romances on foreign, <laughs> foreign planets and all that, but faraway planets. But I, it's just interesting. But that, I, you know, I think that, that there's a reason why these, why these shows resonate. And, and we see that throughout the documentary that, w why, by the way, we're talking about United We Fan, and we're talking to the director, Michael Sparaga. And uh, thank And so talk to us a little bit. There's a couple other ones. A, Person of Interest was one that sparked a lot of um, fan reaction. Quantum Leap, Chuck, you mentioned. Yeah. Um, what is that hold true for all of the shows that we're talking about? This sort of personal storytelling and and that relatability is that is that a thread? Absolutely, and that's I mean that's what I went looking for as I reached out to fans. I mean, I guess to a summary, I would reach out to some fans and be like, it's the first question I always asked in pre-interviews when I would contact them was, why this show? Why did, why did you try and save this show? And I think, like I said, I might have been worried somebody might say, oh, people get their names in the paper. Because that's essentially how I would find people. I would go through newspapers and, you know, do my research. And, and nobody said that. That Nobody. Everyone is, this show meant more to me. I'm, I'm a person who feels this, and this show represented that. I'm LGBTQ, and the relationship on this show showed me that, you know, what I was doing, the way I lived my life was just a, a perfectly fine way to live life, and they seeing happy characters like me, and it just, it was just like that with everybody. It was very hard, very hard to decide which shows uh, to cover. Just some campaigns obviously have got covered a lot, and there was a lot of material, so we get a chance to show some really great behind-the-scenes uh, stuff of what was happening in these campaigns. So, and, and obviously, some have risen to the surface of just what people talk about, like the Veronica Mars Kickstarter campaign and mm -hmm. the, the mass mailing campaign and, and, and Jericho's Peanuts campaign and the Tabasco sauce. These are ones I had heard of, so I was obviously very interested in doing. And uh, We have... It's just there's so many wonderful campaigns and reasons why. The reasons why are just, you know, I sort of felt if I got tears in my eyes, if I welled up while people told me why they tried to save a show, then that was probably a good story to tell yeah. uh, in the film. And so that's, that's who we sort of went looking for. And then, of course, there's, you know, uh, uh, the main story, the woman who saved Cagney and Lacey, yes. who went on to do incredible things that I think is just a surprise. It's the, it's the surprise of the movie because I don't think a lot of people know about Dorothy Swanson. And they've known Star Trek was saved by fans. They certainly know about some of the other campaigns. Um, they make really delight in the current storyline with, like, person of interest and why Kaylee is fighting for the show, what it means to her. But Dorothy's just this incredible story that I feel very lucky I got a chance to tell. Yeah, that's another great thing about the documentary uh, United We Fan is that the, it, you, we kind of see the we see the personal fan side... But we also see the 
cultural influences that some and you're speaking yeah. of Dorothy, sort of the that part of it, sort of a grassroots organizations that can spring up around these shows and around these uh, these perspectives on what television quality television looks like. We also see the business side, what's what's happening from the side of the producers who are involved with these shows. And and then of course we get into the the studio. What you know? What are the economic realities that they have to deal with? Whether or not they love the show or not love the show, the fact is they're in the money making uh, business. But you look at the two shows yeah. uh, that you know. Cake Nut was in um, designing women. What was the one that was the only show that was lower rated? Was Cheers? What was that show? Uh, that no, Saint Elsewhere. Saint Elsewhere. That's right. Yeah. Saint Elsewhere. So the two. Uh, so, but th- there is that element. There is the element of these executives yeah. at these major mega, you know, media operations actually do have a mind to think that these that these are shows that are such quality that, yeah, they haven't caught on with an audience yet. So all of these things factor in and they all come into play in your documentary, which is just a wonderful look at all of this stuff. But uh, did this surprise you, did the degree you. to which you were, first of all, you access to all these people, but did it, when the story started to, kind of unfold for you in this documentary were you surprised at sort of the scope of what you were kind of uh, uh, going after here yeah I don't think it was until I made this documentary that I realized how important fans were to the quality of television today I really don't think I did I really don't think I understood how important it was that people campaign to try and save a show win or lose win or lose it's the fact that they make people take a second look that they make other people who are creating content say, hey, why are these people fighting for this show? And, and they take a look at the show and they're like, you know, those people are very busy. They're making a lot of episodes of television. They're very busy. They don't watch a ton of TV. But the ones they do watch are these quality shows. And yeah, it might get canceled. But they might see something in that show that pushes them to make their show a little bit better. That the masses are already watching. But that they can start to say, okay, let's try this camera work. Let's try this with the characters. You know, it's people talk about Cagney and Lacey in a way that it's like, oh, it just showed women doing these incredible things. And yeah, it did. And that was very, very important and why a lot of women fought for that show. They deserved a show that showed them good at their jobs, not good at being wives, you know. And so that was important, but also showed sort of a serialized aspect to their lives where they, they and people liked that. And then you started to see other cop shows start to do that. You know, and these shows are very important and fans have pushed and it's super important that people speak up and say, no, this is good. No, this representation is important. No, you can't take this away because what else do we have that's anything like this? And they've made major big corporations that have made money decisions way outside of why you might love a show and as the reason why they're canceling it, say, you know, we need to give this another shot. Sometimes it's just they're scared of the bad PR, but often this is a show that the people who, you know, if you remember, the people the studios chose these shows. They thought these shows were good. You know, in the case of St. Elsewhere, um, although it's not in the film, Tom Fontana said, you know, that show, they wouldn't take off the air because it was the show that the network executives were watching. It's the show they love. Yeah. And so they kept it on for themselves until the show caught on. Well, well I, think, I think that was the case. They all do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I think that was the case with Seinfeld. Uh, that the yeah, executives that are watching, exactly the case and and Cheers as well. I think uh, Tartikoff's wife loved the show. Yeah. I think at one point without that sort of factor. 
Yeah, and so she, so he, she wasn't going to let him take it off. There's again all these are elements, and I think for for me, you know, someone who's been around long enough to you know seen this this sort of uh, the evolution of television for a long time, television was thought of as or its audience was thought of as passive. It just you just sit there and watch TV, yeah. and 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 for a long and that and that was that's true because there were a lot of just really crappy dumb TV yeah. shows on during the 60s and 70s. A lot of people were still struggling to find a style that fit the format. And yeah. and I will t- and I will t- one show that I was uh, a fan of and I sort of had a reaction that you people were talking about in the in your film 30 something. And I was that age yeah. and I remember wa- I watched it all the time I thought it was terrific acting, ensemble acting. I thought it was great. I remember <laughs> when they killed off Gary and what? And I felt like the next. Oh right! I, I remember the next morning. Well, he's what a key. He was a key character on the show. For those who don't know, he was a key character. He was kind of the bohemian guy, the sort of artsy guy, that devil may care kind of dude. And I remember feeling yeah. like when I woke up the next morning, I felt like I felt like depressed is too strong a word, but I felt like, wow, what happened? And then I remember, oh no, my the, god, Gary got killed. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of a. a, I, think a I think people are depressed. Yeah, I, I have no trouble with you being depressed over the death of a character on TV. Yeah, it's, I feel horrified with what I see on TV. I feel depressed, and it doesn't have to be news. It doesn't just you have to be seeing some sort of attack for me to be like, "That's terrible." The, 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 those stories that I see on television, those moral, incredible stories yeah. that dig below the surface, and especially a show like that, which was so rich. The characters were the characters were so rich. It's. I think it's great that a show made you depressed. I, I, I mean, I think the showrunner would love to hear they depressed you. You know, yeah. if you woke up, you were depressed. That's what they aim for. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's part of the, the the evolution of television. It's gotten better. It's the writing's gotten better. The level of uh, for a long time, television couldn't attract what were you know considered to be great actors. Everything has kind of yep. blown up, and now we're all over the map. I mean, we, we're watching movies on TV, and uh, I mean, we're watching yeah. episodic television in in you know in in on Netflix. It's a it's a very different landscape, but now more than ever, and I think your film makes this point. I think United We Fan makes this point: is these people who are making these these projects these are are very aware of the reaction of the fan base. Now, that doesn't yes. mean that they are always reacting in the way that the fan base wants all the time, but they're cognizant of it, and they certainly are a part of what this film is about, which is the fans are having an impact on the, on the, on the arc of these television shows in some way, right? Yes especially on shows where you have a longer season where you're still shooting and making the show as things are happening. And so you're reading fan response and seeing fan response and then can potentially react to it. You know, one thing about having shorter seasons, these 10, 13 episode seasons, even shorter, if you're, you know, some of them are seeing six episode seasons is you make them like a film and you put them out and there's really no way to react until a, a second season um, comes about. And yeah, we debate, we have a scene that's in the DVD extras, which is fans and creators interaction, where we get to hear from the creators and how they, they feel about the interaction uh, with fans. And, you know, honestly, they, they love it, but it's also something they have to be wary about because uh, I, I think it's Rob Thomas, who's the, uh, the creator of uh, 
Veronica Mars uh, says in the X-ray, he said, you know, fans wouldn't vote for Ned Stark to have his head lopped off. Right. That's not exactly. what they vote for. Exactly. But yeah. they love it. You know, you've got to give people stuff they don't like. And sometimes, look, they're willing to say that was a misstep, and certainly that comes up in the film itself. Yeah. We get into the, the dead lesbian trope and yeah. what happened on The 100 and Person of Interest. And, but I, I just think for the most part, you know, you've got to give creators the room to continue to tell you the story that you loved um, at one point strongly right. and know that sometimes what you're seeing in one episode, as much as you hate it, three episodes down the line are, is really going to pay off. It's going to be something really special. Yeah. So it's, that's just a part of, I think, consuming you know, television, books, anything in the arts where you, you love that roller coaster ride of emotions. I mean, it should be doing it to you. I mean, at least the great shows do. I mean, there's the, the procedural shows where you can miss three law and orders, come back in, catch a law and order. There's really, you know, there's nothing really right. there outside of that case that's happening that week. But then there's these serialized shows, and those are 95% of the shows that people fight for. We just found rarely people fought for uh, shows that uh, didn't have continuing. It's tuned in. You just needed to know what happened. And there are quality shows that are just standalone. Every episode is a self-contained story, and it's you're right. There are those that are very well done. There are. But I think what you're talking about with this sort of long-form film, really you're watching a movie in 10 parts or 12 parts or whatever it is, you, you, the actors have an yeah. opportunity to really dig in. Uh, there's a lot more character development that carries over from one show to the next. You get you get real depth yeah. in the storytelling, depth in the protagonist, the antagonist, and all of those things that when it's well done, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal ride. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can believe that. It's an easy thing to understand. It's a fun film to watch, and it's fun to see in the film. Uh, oftentimes the good guys win, the fans win. I think of that as sort of the people who are really emotionally invested and have no economic interest in, in whether a, a TV series continues or not. They're emotionally invested, mm-hmm. intellectually, psychologically, whatever it might be. And we see them yep. win, <laughs> which is very it's, cool. Very it's important cool. for us, especially right now with what the world is politically, to know that grassroots movements can have incredible effect on very big companies to to make them give us what we want. Yeah. If they organize and they do things correctly and they they you know they're polite about it. These these weren't aggressive campaigns. They didn't sit outside uh, you know these studios and broadcasters with pitchforks and say we'll never watch any of your shows again and we're going to burn the studio to the ground. That's right. it's telling the studios why it's important, why they need it pestering but in a wonderful way or in chuck's case you know going right to the sponsors and showing the sponsors how much you care so the sponsors feel motivated not only by the press they're getting from the campaign itself but you know to seeing that they're selling products and saying this is why we we are sponsors this is what we what we do with television and you had mentioned earlier about how there's the other side that's in this movie the uh the the stars and the showrunners I've never had an easier time getting interviews, and it, I, I was shocked. I mean, really, there was a version of the film in my head where it's going to be the fans telling about what they did and just this side, but I would really love if I could maybe get one or two people from the other side. It was no problem. This was a, these, these people were 
the Celtics' failures, you know, their shows weekly, they were seeing the ratings go down. They were being told the studios, the networks aren't interested anymore. And they, they, it looked like their jobs were going to come to an end. And then the fans rose up and saved their shows. Yeah. Made them, even before they saved the shows, the fact that the fans were there and they knew they were there and they knew they were delivering to, I mean, they're all, these are like the most iconic shows on television that really push people to, started to look television in a different way. And so they thought they were making that show, but then when you're failing weekly, it's kind of hard to feel that, you know, maybe I was wrong. Everybody thinks they're making something great, but maybe this just isn't. And the fans reacted. Right. And so when I reached out to their, because the, you have to go through layers of reps, <laughs> layers of representation to get to some of these people. It was so easy. They're like, absolutely, totally remember the campaign. Let me, t- let me talk to them. Let me talk to her. And then it's like, yeah, absolutely, whenever you're in town. And it was just incredible. I mean, I I look at this film sometimes and I say, this feels like the Avengers of documentaries. There's so many famous faces in this thing. But I don't, I really wanted to make sure that they were just there to sort of support the fans, that this was really what it was always from the beginning. This is about about the fans that changed the face of television, and I wanted them to be the stars. Right. And I, I think that's what the film does. It seems like everyone in the film is just very happy for the fans' pressure uh, to the powers that be to give them their jobs and let them continue to tell their stories. Yeah, that is absolutely what you said. I completely agree that uh, it has laid the groundwork for these mega media operations to be cognizant of the things they're doing, why they're doing them, and how they're doing them, and the reaction they're getting from the people who, hopefully, I mean, obviously they want them to watch in order to attract more advertising, and it's, it works for everyone to to not be uh, yeah. sort of dictated what your entertainment will be. In fact, a bit of a, a back and forth between these two interested parties. Yeah. Uh, and um, and thank God that B. Joe and John Tremble were in the audience for the the episode in the third season of Star Trek when they realized that there was a lack of energy in the room while they were watching the filming of that one episode and thank god they got oh, the yeah. wor- they got the word that they had been told that, that the show was going to be canceled had they not been in the audience and had not been there to hear that news we might be having a. We might not be having this conversation today. So, uh, the, I, I I, I want to go. Divine timing. Yeah. Divine timing. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It was, and I, I really want to go back to those two and and acknowledge uh, just a couple of people with a love for sci-fi and good storytelling and Gene Roddenberry and his entire family for the next ten generations will should be uh, kneeling <laughs> at, at at the temple of. Uh, Joe and uh, John Tremble, because uh, my God, what has that meant to to them? Oh, it's it's hard to fathom how much yeah. how much that has been of a benefit to them. But this is a terrific uh, documentary. Again, it's called United We Fan, and we, I want to mention it is available on VOD release. Uh, check it out. And what are the VOD platforms it'll be available on? Pretty much all of them. Oh. <laughs> It'd be VOD, iTunes, of course, and uh, a whole bunch of others. And a lot of the uh, cable networks uh, will also have it available through, you know, through televisions that you can order it. iTunes and the DVD have 50 minutes of extras, though, that are it actually has a whole campaign that was in and out of the movie. It almost made it to the film sort of 
didn't at the last minute, as, if you're a fan of Buffy and Angel, the whole Buffyverse, there's uh, the campaign for Angel, and it's spectacular. It's a really wonderful scene. And then extended versions of the Chuck campaign and Longmire campaign, which is a wonderfully, yeah. I, I think, a campaign that takes a lot of people by surprise in the film. They, they may not have heard of it. And they're like, wow, that was really interesting what those people did. Um, and Veronica Mars and, and lots of extra scenes from the Person of Interest campaign and Star Trek. It, it's, I really had trouble getting this movie down to this lean, just over 90-minute time. You know, I, I knew that that was the time I wanted it to be. But I'd be happy if this movie was three hours because I just absolutely loved the stories and think that everybody who fought for a show deserves to have their story told. So we, we, we crammed that all onto the DVD extras and DOD extras on iTunes. Yeah, and that in that example of Longmire, we see where it may not fit as part of a, a a network format or a network platform, but maybe it works somewhere else. Maybe it works in a in a more sort of boutique or specialized environment, like a Netflix or an iTunes or something like that. So, you, so that's another part of this. Fans can have an impact on. The show may not always be on ABC or CBS or NBC, but it may end up on some other platform that's a little more specialized or more suitable for for the audience and for the producers as well. So, again, that's part of this interaction between these very interested groups of people who want to see it work. Well, thank you so much. Uh, uh, the director of the film, United We Fan, we've been talking with Michael Sparaga about it, and uh, check it out. Look for it on your VOD release platform, however you do it, however you go about looking for it. Uh, is there anything else that they should know in terms of sort of connecting with you in the film? Well, sure. I mean, please uh, go to any of the major social platforms. Uh, oh, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook at United We Fan Doc. And we always try to make sure that we're in contact with all the different fan groups. There are a lot of people still fighting for shows out there right now. There, people started fighting for Scorpion. People are really fighting for Shadowhunters. People are fighting uh, who love Roswell for a show called Baron and Toluca. There's, I, they all have been in contact with me. They're, they look to the film as sort of like a how-to. They also look to each other, uh, to, to other successful campaigns and say, like, what did they do? They, they just all do such incredible, creative things that, again, win or lose, they're fighting for the community. You know, I think that that's what this film is really about. People who are fighting to save not just the show, but the people that they watch the show, uh, sometimes virtually with, sometimes physically with. They just love the conversations, those those weekly conversations. And, you know, it's, it's not just the one night it airs. They're talking about it constantly. And the thought that that's going to go away, it, it's really hard on them. And so I, I really think if people want to start to follow... Uh, at United We Fan Doc, they can then start to splinter up into like, oh, these people are trying to save a show, and these people did save a show, and they're all here. And I, I love being this this space where the people from all different fan groups can come and sort of talk, because for the most part, they talk amongst themselves. So yeah. I, I really love that. Well, we could have a, a United We Fan Comic Con for, version somewhere in a, in a in a hotel someday. So it could be its own <laughs> its own. <laughs> Uniticon or something like that, we could call it. But, uh, yeah, well, that's fantastic. Well, con congratulations on the film. Congratulations on, on the approach you've taken with this and, and connecting people with people who care about 
think these things so passionately, the connection they make to the stories and to the people and to the artists. It's a it's a terrific enterprise. So thank you, Michael Spryga. Thank you so much. Enterprise. <laughs> I love that. Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right, Michael. Well, thank you and all the best to you moving forward uh, on, on future work. Come back and join us again. For sure. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.